Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you noticed that pressure and difficult times make it easy to rationalize the compromising of your faith? However, such times are an opportunity for God's people to shine. In Daniel chapter 11, the prophet is getting a vision far into the future for God's people. While Daniel will be long gone, the Lord is showing him and God's people of the future that difficult times call for God's people to be faithful as well as full of wisdom and insight. That is a call the Lord makes to you and all of us today. To be inspired, here's Pastor Jim and the conclusion of his message, Living Faithfully in the Midst of Chaos. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But, but, contrast, the people who know their God shall give up. Is that what it says in your Bible? I didn't find one version that said that. And I'm, I'm, I'm 10 to 30 versions some Sundays. No, he says, but the people who know their God, actually know him, shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Now, the problem is we're Americans. Do you know a great exploit is actually telling somebody who doesn't know Jesus about Jesus? That's a great exploit. Some versions say they will take action. In other words, what are they going to do? They are going to resist the idolatry and compromise of the culture. That's what they're going to do. They're going to resist it. Now, in the church, like we see here, there'll always be people with divided loyalties. There will always be people, they got one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. It doesn't work, does it? James calls them double-minded men and women. They are unstable in all their ways. Here's the thing. Please don't ever think it couldn't be you. Pastor Jim, don't ever think it couldn't be you. Don't think that you and I couldn't end up in that place. Any one of us could, a few bad things could any one of us could end up in that place, just some heartache or some, or some great difficulty? What's going on today? There are tremendous cultural pressures. There's all kinds of weird political stuff that's going on. Right now, we're dealing with inflation. Some of you are like, by, by the 20th of the month, you're like, there's just, just a lot of month left and there's no money left. Some of us are just so busy. I mean, gosh, you've got kids in school, man. If you don't have a good plan for your life, they got one for you. Some of us are just selfish. Some of us have what the Bible calls selfish ambition. As soon as you get passed over for something, maybe that your God didn't think you were ready for it, you're just, that's it. You're done. You don't want any part of God anymore. Maybe it's comfort. You just think life should be easy. If we went around the room, we could go on and on and on for hours about the things that divide our loyalties between our loyalty to ourselves, our loyalty to something else, and our loyalty to God. You see, I believe with all of my heart that the biggest 
threat to Israel at this time is not Antiochus Epiphanes, as wicked as he is. It is this group of godless people, this elite group of rich people in their culture, this ungodliness, because empires can only last so long, but this ungodliness can go on for generations. And now I'm not talking about us. Now I'm talking about our kids. And I'm talking about our kids' kids and our great-great-great-grandkids. That's what I'm talking about. And you may never know them, but don't you want to know them? Don't you want to meet some kid in heaven and they walk up to you and say, you are my great-great-great-grandpa. Don't you all long for a day like that? Or do you want to take the easy way out and just go with the flow of culture and let them steal our children and let them steal our grandchildren and let them steal our great-grandchildren and then they'll just die out, but it'll be too late. It'll be too late for some of them. And the second half of this verse shows us that it is possible to resist. How? How can we resist what's going on in our world right now? And it tells us you must be one of the people who know their God. Such people will resist any effort to snuff out biblical faith in their lives. They are true and faithful believers. Back then, it basically came down to one family. It basically came down to one man who rallied his boys, and they were called the Maccabees. In fact, the father who initially rallied his boys wasn't even the one who carried it out. It was one of his sons. They opposed the Jewish compromisers as well as Antiochus Epiphanes and his successors as they were the people of God who were waiting for the Messiah to come. I wonder... I wonder if one day they were sitting in their house and dad was reading the Bible to his sons and they were reading this prophecy knowing that God is sovereign, knowing that the word of God is true. And he looked at his boys and said, why couldn't this be us? Why couldn't we be the people who changed, turned the tide here? Why couldn't we change this? And what stops you from being the person who could change the tide in the lives of some other people? You know what stops you? You. You know what stops us as a church? Us. Can't we be the people who rise up in such a difficult time, who like Esther were called for such a time as this? How often God accomplished so much through the most unlikely people. I mean, you read, you read in the Bible and you're like, this guy, man, he does all this stuff. How could God use him? That way people wouldn't go, well, of course it was him. He was so smart. Look at him. No, they, people would be like, well, that has to be God. It couldn't have been him. I mean, seriously, Moses. Guy's like the greatest leader ever. I mean, he kills an Egyptian going around with a staff, hitting rocks, praying, God, open up a hole and kill everybody. Like, wouldn't you love to be able to do that sometime? <laughs> and seriously, David, 
I mean, he's on the, he's, you know, guys are off in war, guys fighting on the front battle and he steals his wife. Are you kidding me? The apostle Paul's out arresting and killing Christians and God takes these guys and, and, he, and he turns them around. What, what, great example, modern day. The Jesus movement in the 60s. Bunch of hippies. Smoking weed, dropping acid. A couple old guys come along and tell them about Jesus. They're like, really? Wow, this is awesome. So they just start telling everybody else. Next thing they know, they don't know what to do with all of them. What's stopping you? What's stopping us? Now, you got to realize, we have to understand this. That will produce a polarization between, if there's even such a thing, status quo Christians or nominal Christians, or marginal Christians, and the people who know their God. And we've seen this throughout history. They're seeing it here. We're seeing it now. Tough times are going to thin the herd. You know, you see these things on the animal channels and stuff like that. There's this whole herd. They get this little disease, and the herd gets thinner. That's happening right now. What has that happened? The, the tough times eliminate the waverers and, and, it, and it calls back the wanderers. And so the question is, could that be you? Is your faith wavering right now? And right now, let me ask you honestly, is Jesus calling you back to him? And I could bet the answer is yes. At the very least, I can bet that he is calling you to take a new and fresh step of faith. I don't know about you, but God does does not really allow me to sit too long in the status quo. He just doesn't do it. It's always something new. So next, the angel shows Daniel and us how to live faithfully in the chaos, verse 33. And those of the people who understand, uh, some of your versions say the wise among the people, what, is that? what does that mean? It's the idea is the people who know God's word and God's ways, what will they do? Look what it says. The people who understand shall instruct many. Some verses say give understanding to many. Yet for many days they shall fall by the sword and flame by captivity. Some will be captured and plundering. They'll get ripped off. Now when they fall, they shall be aided with, with a little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue. Some versions say by insincerity. They see, oh, it's kind of working out their way, so they're going to kind of join. During difficult times, God says, we need faithful people with insight to do what? to encourage others to obey the word of God and to be faithful. Don't you dare say it can't be you. Don't insult God by saying it can't be you. Because again, God takes the most unlikely people and he will use them for his glory. And in many ways, this is the definition of a true believer. Somebody who understands and instructs others. Now, there's a catch we need to be careful of. Understanding and wisdom is more than the first thing that comes to your head. That's very common among people who are wandering from God. They've got all kinds of rationalizations. They've got all kinds of different ideas. And those are the people, verse 34, you get a little help from. And this is a very hard thing to hear. I understand it is. 
But if you're not all in, Jesus doesn't call any of us to be halfway in. He just doesn't. If you're not all in, you actually may be helping the enemy more than you think that you are. And I know none of you want to do that. You would, you, would, you would have got up and left already. You're like, I don't need to stand for this baloney. Who does this guy think he is? One of the marks of those who understand is they have remained faithful during the difficult times in their own lives. Or they didn't in the past. And now they're saying, I will never, ever allow myself to be that way again. Or they've noticed that they used to fall apart at certain times in the past, but now they don't anymore. Why? Because they know God is sovereign. They know he's in control of all things. They know his care and commitment to his people is deep. And they know what God expects from his people and wants to do in and through his people. Living that way will teach you how to receive God's wisdom, and it will be much more obvious to you what to do in times of crisis. So what would they tell people? What would they tell people that was like, well, maybe we should go with the Greek culture. I don't know. Maybe, you know, just don't make any waves and stuff like that. What would they tell them? They would tell them the gospel. They would tell them, as Jesus said, to repent and believe, to turn back to God and put your trust in his Messiah, put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to be fully committed to the Lord. And this is one of those seasoned loved ones where your full commitment is needed now more than ever. Calling people to trust in Jesus Christ, not the culture, not the government. Calling people to be evangelists, and teachers of the word of God. They would not be afraid to tell people like the apostle Paul, we enter the kingdom of God through much suffering. They would not be afraid to tell people that's the way it is because the apostle Paul knew this, oppression brings out the wisdom in the wise. Just like you see in Jesus laying down his life for us on the cross, but it's costly. Here, it costs some of the people their lives and their property. I wonder how many American Christians would do that. You know, in our community groups, we're reading a little book this semester, and uh, one week they studied about donating money to the church. You know, it doesn't really matter to me, to be honest with you. Some people say to me, well, you know, Pastor Jim, that's between me and God. I'm like, you're darn right it is. Either all you have is from God and belongs to God, or it doesn't. The Bible says your life is not your own if you're a Christian. You were bought at a price. Jesus bought you on the cross. You belong to him. So, did anybody ask us any questions about that chapter? More than every other chapter combined, times about three. And the people who asked Pastor John got a lot nicer answer than the people who asked me. Because <laughs> I was like, hey, man, you know, how, how much of your life really belongs to Christ? It's not about, it's not about the money. I mean, I like, you know, the church does not need me to give money. I need to. 
it's for me. Because it's a statement of who, who really I belong to. It's no secret today that the church is struggling for all across America for committed volunteers. But you and I, we, we can't live faithfully in chaos unless we give our whole lives to Jesus. We can't. And so we have to ask ourselves this question. You got to ask it all. I ask myself all the time, Lord, how much do I really trust you? You see, when you give yourself to Jesus, when you really give yourself to him, the world looks at you. I'm just prepping you. The world looks at you and says, what a fool. And up in heaven, God says to the angels, come here. That's what wisdom looks like. That's what a life sold out to my son looks like. Verse 35, and some, of, and, and some of those of understanding shall fall, they'll die, to refine them, purify them, and make them white or cleansed until the time of the end because it is still for the appointed time. Isn't the Lord gracious? I mean, he is even at work in our death. Do you know that death is how the Lord honors his children? It's how he brings his children home. You see, it may sound odd to you, but even our struggle with sin and our failure reminds us how much God really loves us. Reminds us that he doesn't give up on us. That's why I don't, I don't understand why, why churches say we can't tell people they're sinners anymore. If you don't know that you're a sinner, how in the world do you know how much God loves you? If you are not regularly convicted, meaning God presses upon your heart, your sin, how in the world do you know that he doesn't give up on you? When he keeps telling you and telling you and telling you, you know when somebody like avoiding you. I don't understand how people get that that place. If you never hear that you are a sinner and you look at that cross, you're like, oh yeah, there he is. Instead of looking at it and saying, that should have been me. And your heart and your affection is like a magnet towards him. Because you're thinking, my goodness, he is dying on the cross for sins that were not even his own. He's dying on the cross for my sins. And then motivated by love, that's what helps you to live for Jesus. Not because you are a good person, not because you want to do it. Even a monster like Antiochus Epiphanes drives people to God, drives people to his protection, drives people to his power. And then, motivated by that love, by that grace, we desire to help others enter the kingdom of God. Like Jesus said, he's looking for people to go out and harvest the kingdom. Ultimately, Antiochus Epiphanes died too. Most scholars think he went insane. How did I open up the, this message? 
three and a half days ago that the world is insane. Now, some of us are saying, man, but it just came so fast. It seemed like we were just walking along and next thing we knew, we were David in the valley of the shadow of death. But for the Lord, we're told it was the appointed time. Do you realize that right now we could, for most of us in our lifetime, could be actually in the midst of the greatest opportunity to watch people come to faith that we've ever seen in our life? The question is really, what are we going to do about it? Are we just going to sit back and are we going to be idle? I think a lot of us, sometimes we spend our time with the wrong people. We're so worried about our friend who we got to come to church twice and they don't don't seem that interested anymore. What what did Jesus do? He just went out to the the people that nobody really wanted to have anything to do with. People who, who, who people thought, oh, there's no way that person will ever believe. I mean, I know a lot of us are just, we're dizzying by how fast it happened. I mean, people look at the world, you know, if you're young, some of us actually know what it means not to have a dumb phone. I mean, a smartphone. Some of us know what it's like to have a world without social media. And some of us have, have, have realized that, that I'll just pick on three since they pick on me and cancel me. Google and Facebook and the cesspool of Twitter have changed the world so fast. But how often did invaders come in and change God's people and separated and thinned the herd? I think God can handle it. I don't think Jesus is walking around heaven going, did anybody see Twitter coming? I didn't didn't see it coming. How did that happen? What are we going to do now? Facebook, Metabook? What, what, what are we going to do? Reality is, is that world superpowers will rise and they will fall. The apostle Peter wrote, wrote this after Jesus ascended to heaven when he was an old man. First Peter chapter one, verse 24 and 25, because all flesh is as grass and the glory of man as the flower of the grass. And then he quotes Isaiah 48, the grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And then he adds, now this is the word by which, uh, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Loved ones, I can guarantee you this, I don't know when, but the insanity will end. It will end. What matters most is that those who trust in the Lord endure. That's what matters all because of the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, all because of what the Apostle Paul taught us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that makes any sacrifice we are called to an honor. Isn't it amazing that the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, if you put your trust in Jesus, that he will take away your sins and then he will honor you for all of the things you do for him in his name. The temptation is to compromise. The temptation is to leave the faith while the reward and the answer to our discouragement is Jesus. Set your gaze on Jesus.
Set your focus on Jesus. Set your focus on knowing him now and living faithfully in the midst of the chaos. And you can know him, whether you've been a Christian for years and years, or maybe today's your day. You can know him more deeply and you can know him more intimately. And one day, you can actually see his face. What a glorious, glorious day that will be. But until then, we have all been called to live in this day. You are God's man. You are God's woman for this day to live for God, to do great things, to do great exploits, to be strong for God, to be an example for the world, and to be used by your king. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there, too, if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.